Well, good morning, New Hope. How are you? Good. Welcome. We're glad you are here. Uh, my name is Brandon. I'm the pastor in... Uh, wow, I, I love, I love baptisms. I love what it represents. I love that, uh, I, I love that we, get to, we get to outwardly demonstrate what God is doing in our lives and, and how, um, how we've, we've died to our old selves and risen up to newness in life. I love baptisms. So if you, uh, if you wanna get on my good side, just go get baptized. I would love to dunk you. And, and uh, um, welcome, we're glad you're here. Before we get started and, and, uh, and start talking about um, our, our, the ology today, um, I want to remind you too of our small group interest lunch. It's right after this service in our coffee house, and uh, there's a bunch of people sign up. There's going to be a bunch of tables, and and um, but I also told them, you know what? I don't want like just because someone maybe missed signups doesn't mean they shouldn't be able to. to they, like like they they can't come. So. I'm offering an invite to you that if you still, even though you didn't sign up, you want to go, you are more than welcome to come. They said, just show up and uh, there's plenty of food, free food. And, and here's what it is. Showing up doesn't mean like you are now in a small group with people you hate for the rest of your life. That's not what this is. What you're doing is saying, I want to know more about small groups. I want to know what happens at them. What are they like? I want to know. I want to see like, all right, who are in these things? I want, like, how does it work when you're at a home? What are some of the things we do? What, what do you talk about? How do you get in? And for some of you, you're like, how do you get out, right? If you're in one. Um, and, and like, all right, we want to make it as, uh, here it is. We want to tell you, we want you to be a part of a small group because, because that's really where we make big church small, where we make like this is a large setting, right? There's a lot of people, there's hundreds of people here in this room and, and, and you're not gonna get to know everyone on a Sunday morning, but in a small group, you get to know a small group of, uh, amount of people. You get to know them really well and they become like second family. And so if you're interested in learning more about that, um, just show up today. If you're signed up, good, we're ready for you. We got, we got uh, everything ready to go. So that's today, right after the service uh, over the coffee house. So we're in this series, Ology, and, um, and what we're talking about is really the study of things. And we're talking about theology, but we're talking about various sort of subcategories within theology. And we've gone through a whole bunch of them, and this morning we're one, in one that is probably, um, uh, it's probably the one that we're maybe least familiar with, and also maybe, maybe most skeptical of, and, and probably that maybe even the most anxious about. How's that for a setup, right? This morning, we're talking about angels. And we're talking about the supernatural. So when we talk about supernatural, when you hear the word supernatural, what, co what comes to mind? What comes to mind for you? And for some of us, for a, a lot of us, it may be like, oh gosh, really? I came on this Sunday, right? This is gonna get weird real quick. And, and that's the, the feeling some of us have because when we talk about supernatural, it literally means like beyond the natural. And, and for some of us, it may be I don't, it, beyond, the, beyond what we can see and measure and, and, and experience beyond the natural. Like, is that even possible? And I don't know about this. Time Magazine conducted a poll, as a number of years ago, but they conducted a poll um, among American adults and said about angels. All right. We're going to ask you some questions about what you believe about angels. And look at this. This is incredible. 69% confirmed their belief in the existence of angels. About 7 out of 10. Not 7 out of 10 like churchgoers. 7 out of 10 Americans said they believe in the existence of angels. That's, that's quite a high number, right? 46% uh, acknowledge their belief in a personal guardian angel about half said like I, I believe we have guardian angels like I have a I have a guardian angel did you know that um, I found out that you can actually um, I, this is so cool this is this is what makes you know Facebook so wonderful you can take a Facebook quiz and find out the name of your guardian angel did you know that you can go online Enter a few quick little details and then it'll tell you who your guardian angel is. That's pretty cool. It's pretty cool that Facebook is, is very, very pro-Christian and very spiritual. <laughs> um, I decided, you know, I would, I would do this, um, you know, just in the name of research. Um, so I did it. And you know what it told me? It's my wife. My wife, she's here. To, she's my, that's cute. That's a good joke, right? Okay. 
No, I, I didn't take it because I'm like, I, you know, I'm, I'm, that's, that's weird, first of all. And, uh, and now you got my email. You're going to spam me for life. 32% claimed that they have felt an angelic presence at some time in their lives. Three out of 10 would say, like, I, I think I had an experience. I would imagine that if uh, we were to ask, like, all right, let's, I would have a conversation with you, or you get up here on the stage and share. You, a lot of us would probably share, yeah, I, I think I've had an experience. I think I've had a, um, I, don't, I don't know how to explain it. Let me just tell you what happened. And you could, you could remember it like it was yesterday. You can walk through and, like, how do you explain it? I, I would say, I don't know. But, man, that sounds like you might have had an encounter with one of these spiritual angelic beings. So for us, for some of us, it's going to be challenging. It's going to be challenging because like when we talk about God, that's fine. We talk about the Bible. Okay, we talk about Jesus, sure. But when we talk about like spiritual beings, um, the tendency is to maybe mentally check out or to say like, Nah, this isn't really relevant for my life today. Like this, this, this is kind of represents a worldview from thousands of years ago, angels and stuff. Like, I don't know. Uh, let's talk about something else. And, and the temptation is to say, well, this doesn't apply to me right here, right now. So uh, what's next week? And then for others of us, you're going to hear things you've never heard before. And my hope for all of us is that by the time we're done, we will have a better, greater, more accurate, more robust understanding of the supernatural, of the spiritual world. Certainly not comprehensive. Now we know everything. How can we? But we at least say, you know what? I have a better understanding of, of well, what the Bible calls angels and, and their role in life. So um, I want to ask by, by, start by asking you this question. What do you believe about angels? We can talk about the supernatural, sure, but angels are sort of a, a subset within the supernatural. So what do you believe about angels? If you and I were to have a conversation, and some of us may say, you know what, I, I don't know, that just sounds like, you know, pre-scientific ideas of trying to explain the world, trying to explain maybe modern medicine with some sort of spiritualism, and, and I don't know, if, if spiritual beings now, that sounds kind of... Ah. Doesn't, that doesn't sound very 2021. <laughs> and others of us may say, no, 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 not only do I believe in them, I, I think I've had, I've, I've experienced, I think I've, I think I could tell you about them. And whatever you believe about angels, you ready for this? Um, I, I wanna start, I wanna start by hurting your feelings. I don't, I actually do probably do this very often, but I'm gonna do it again today. You ready? Whatever you believe about angels, the Bible doesn't care. It doesn't care what you believe about angels. In fact, it never tries to explain them. It talks a lot about angels. It never tries to explain how or who or what they are or what substance they are. It never, um, it never tries to convince you that they're real. Like there's no arguments in here to say, okay, now here's proof number one of why angels are real. Proof number two, example number three. It, it doesn't go through that. Instead, what it does, and it, it doesn't even do this. It doesn't even give us really an origin story of like where they started. We get that with us, right? The Adam and Eve story in the garden. And we probably all know that from growing up and, on, and, and like you just, maybe you grew up in church, maybe you didn't, but, but we all know that story. There's no beginning of the angels' story. Instead, what the Bible does is it, speak, it just simply speaks of them as fact, as existing. It speaks of them as, as just, hey, I'm not even gonna try to explain how this happens, but, but they exist. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna it's just stories revealing how they interact with people. So whatever your feelings are, you, you believe about angels, the Bible, if it could speak to you, would say, I don't care what you think you know, let me tell you what they do. Let me, let, me, let me tell you about experiences people have had with these spiritual beings and their role that God has created them for. So today we look at angelology, the study of angels. Many theologians have discussed uh, angels and many have actually avoided it. Um, one theologian, Karl Barth, he says this, that angelology of all of the fields of theology says it's the most remarkable and difficult of all. 
that what we are given in scripture isn't everything we want to know about angels, but we're given a lot. And so what we try to do is try to piece it together and say, well, this seems to be how the Bible describes angels and, and what happened to them and, and how they interact with the world. But it's, it's piece by piece, and it's certainly not at all comprehensive. You're not going to have all of your questions answered. So there are two temptations to, that we can fall into when studying angels. The first is to avoid the topic altogether as superstitious and irrelevant. And this is probably most people in the world. And this might even be many Christians that we just say, doesn't apply, who cares, whatever. The second is that we become consumed with angels and that we, we have an unhealthy obsession with them. Um, I, I, remember, uh, I remember growing up, um, I remember uh, learning to drive and, you know, you get your driver's license and, you know, your teenager, which, uh, which as you, I, I, when, I, when I got my license, I'm like, finally, finally. I mean, I've been old enough to drive for years. And finally, they recognized legally that I should be able to do this. Now that like I'm on this side, I'm looking back going, Six, raise your hand, 16 is way too young. Right? The, I mean, I'm like looking like, you, can you reach the pedal? Can you, do you know how to use a key? Like, you're going to be driving? Like, I'm on this. But I remember that. I remember being 16 and being like, All right, I got my keys. I'm driving. Sweet. And I also remember, um, uh, I, we didn't grow up in a Christian home. I, I wasn't even a Christian when this happened. But my mom got me um, a little gift for my car. And I'm like, okay, cool. And it was this little angel wings. It was great. And on it had a verse, and it was, you know, Psalm 91, and it talked about that he will, he will send his angels to guard over you. And it was a little clip you put on your visor, and it literally said, keep this to protect you while you drive. It's the reason I'm standing here today before you guys, <laughs> because I had this angel guarding my car. We can become consumed with angels, right? Our, our, like TV and movies talk all about angels. There's TV shows about angels. There's like, you can, you, you and I could go on and Google search like the top shows about angels and there'll be like a list of them because there's not just one. And, and movies about angels and comedies and dramas and like all kinds of stuff, horror movies, like all kinds of, because we have a, we really do have a fascination. And if we're not careful, we too can become consumed with an unhealthy, obsession about angels. Paul writes about this and he warns against this in Colossians. He says this in Colossians chapter two, he says, do not let anyone who delights in false humility. And then he throws this in there and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person who does this also goes into great detail about what they have seen. They are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. They have lost connection, he says, with the head, Jesus, who holds it all together. The, their focus now left, it is no longer Jesus. Now it's about this other being that they experience and follow and, and try to maybe get the name of or try to command or decide, how, like, how can I interact with this spiritual being? He says, stop it. You've fallen in a trap. So we, as we talk about angels, we can say this, that angels generically speaking, can be divided into two groups. You probably already know what they are. We can call them holy or good angels and evil angels, what the New Testament calls and translates as demons. That there are good angels, like the ones you think of, like, you know, with the angel, like the wings and stuff and fly and, you know, they got robes and like that when you, whatever, whatever pops in your mind about angels, like that, that's your idea of like the good ones. And then there's these demonic ones, these evil ones. And that's like, they're like, okay, they're, you know, they're probably what dressed in black and got like holes in their, in their clothes. Cause like, you know, they've never washed their clothes or ironed them or changed their clothes or whatever. So like, they're like, oh, wow, clearly you are not good. However you think of them, we know that there are two categories. And those descriptions, by the way, are totally far off. They're like, they're not, it's not at all how, how, uh, how angels are described when they're, when they're viewed in scripture. But we know that there are, they're divided into two groups. And, and we know a lot about angels, but we, it's not complete or comprehensive. Some things we simply don't know, but that doesn't, that hasn't stopped people from trying to describe or like, let me put it all together for you and come up with these, these really elaborate systems of how it all works. And again, you can go online, you can 
like you could research and look into angel lollies yourself and, and go for it. It's a whole field of study. But, but my advice to you, ready, is, is, is don't do it on YouTube. If you search angels on YouTube, you will get a whole slew of stuff and you will, you will leave more confused than you started. And there are all kinds, there are all kinds of people trying to explain and describe how we should interact with angels and, and, and how they interact with each other. I remember I became a Christian uh, l- later in life. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Um, and, and I remember when I was new to faith, um, someone had talked about angels and like, you know, like, like God actually like has these angels, like they're real and, and they are in the world. And, I'm, and they said, you should probably get a book on it. Maybe read. I'm like, that's not a bad idea. Like, I, I guess I haven't thought about it. I mean, I've heard of the word angels before, but I've never really thought of it as being a real thing. So I went to the bookstore uh, because, you know, books only existed in bookstores back then. There's no Amazon or online, right? You remember how you had to go to a bookstore? Um, uh, if, you're, if you're younger than me, it's a store that has physical books that you go buy and you get to take it home that day. That day, you, you get it. Uh, they cost about uh, 50% more than what they do online for whatever reason. And so I remember going to the religion section and I think it's called like spirituality because, you know, that seems cooler. And, and I'm looking in um, like, where do you find a book on angels? Well, you go to the A section. So I'm there and guess, guess I bought this book. Guess what the title was? Angels. That's it. That's what it was. Angels. So I'm like, all right, this is perfect. I open it up, start reading. Chapter one how to command and control your angel. Oh, that's intriguing. This was not a Christian book. This was not a like biblical theological angelology book. This was a, all right, let me tell you how to control your angel. And I remember reading this, even as a new Christian going, I don't think I want to get into this. This seems, this seems like a, a bit much for like a beginner level for me, right? But you can go do this. You can find people who will tell you how to control and even manipulate your own angel. Wow. Woo. Paul warns against this very thing, but that hasn't stopped people from trying. So let's talk about what we do know from Scripture. Holy angels are spirits sent to minister to us, to God's people. That holy angels are sent for and on our behalf that they actually serve ready somehow some way they they serve us and this is a strange thought because culturally like we don't think of this idea of angels existing to to minister to people but that's what we read in scripture hebrews says this chapter one starts off the writer writes this this rhetorical question are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Uh, listen, aren't, aren't all angels, aren't they all ministering spirits sent to serve us? He asked this rhetorical, yeah, they, of course they are. That's, that's their role. It's to serve us, God's people. Now, the term angel, um, uh, here's where we, you know, up to this point, you maybe be like, oh, I'm tracking, yeah, sure, great. Now we're gonna start talking about things that maybe you haven't thought about or seen before, or like it broadens your understanding of, of angels in this spiritual world. But the term angel literally means messenger. In, in Hebrew, in the Old Testament, it's malach. And then in the New Testament, it's angelos, which is where we get the word, you know, like Los Angeles. It's the city of angels. Uh, if you've ever been to Los Angeles, there are no angels there. They left it a long time ago. <laughs> it literally means messenger. And one of the primary roles that angels have is to bring messages from God to people, to us. But, but when we talk about angels and when you, like whatever you think about angels, um, it's actually broader than that. The term angel is really, is really a category or it's a grouping of spiritual beings. It's not one particular kind of spiritual being. That there are different kinds of spiritual beings called angels. The first one that we see, or that we'll talk about at least, is, um, is referred to in Isaiah 6 and only in Isaiah 6, and they're called seraphim. Seraphim were mentioned one time, and, um, and they are, um, like if you were to see a picture, you could probably go online and see an artist's rendering of it. Uh, they are extremely creepy. 
because they're described as having six wings, two to cover their face, two to fly, and two to cover their, like their body and their feet. And then we see in Revelation that, that, like, um, uh, that some of these have eyes and that in, in uh, Isaiah 6, like they're covered in eyes and they, they can see things. And like, they, it's like, oh, wait, what? That these are large creatures and that they, they have a specific role and they, ready for this, they surround and are in the worship throne of God and they worship him. And in Isaiah 6, Isaiah is brought before them, before God's throne, and he sees these creatures. And these aren't like the angels when you think of, these are very different. They're very different looking. And that they interact with Isaiah, this Seraphim, and, and we aren't given much information about them, and, and, but we're told that they are real and exist. And then there's another category, so that's one type of, of angel. There's another category called the cherubim. Maybe you've heard this term before. They're, they're, um, the best description we have of them in the scriptures is Ezekiel chapter one. Um, if, you want, if you want to expand your, at least your understanding or like, like what you've read about angels, like, you're, like what they are like, just read, open up to Ezekiel and just read chapter one and, you, and then close it and say, what is that? I mean, it is, it is unbelievable. It's shocking actually. So there's these, these creatures that have four different kinds of heads and they have the feet of calves like hooves and they have four wings um, and, and, uh, and, they're so, and wherever they go, like they move in any direction. And then there's described, there's these, these wheel-like things that can move in any direction and they're covered in eyes and there's an eye in the middle and wherever they go, like wherever the cherubim goes, this wheel structure thing goes. And, and then above them is this throne that they're looking at. And this is described as the throne of God. And so these cherubim, ready for this? Their job is to protect the throne. There's four of them described in this setting. And their job is not like the angels that you think of, like, oh, Gabriel and Michael and like, you know, that. no, no, no. These, and these things are, like they have eyes everywhere. Whoa. These are intense, incredibly weird looking angels. <laughs> And they're described, the height is like, like being, being massive, the size of even planets. What? These are, these are not like the angel you think of. They're described in Ezekiel, and then in Revelation 4 and 5, it talks about them even more. Um, it talks about in the Garden of Eden, going back to this story, if you remember when Adam and Eve are kicked out, and, and then there's, a, and there's an angel placed at the entrance of the garden so that no one can come back to this. And guess what kind of angel is sent there? Cherubim. Very specific kind of angel. Okay, so we have these two different kinds of angels. And then we have another category uh, that's referred to as, as archangel. And this is like a, um, a ruler of angels, like the head or chief angel. There's only one person described this way in the scriptures, and his name is Michael. You've probably heard of him, Michael the archangel. He's described in Jude and in, uh, in the word archangels in one other place. And like, this is like, okay, there's the angels and then there's like you, like the chief of the angels. And then we have another category under him, which is just angel. We get the word angel or messenger, angelos. And those are probably what you think of most um, when you think of angels. Though surprisingly, you, uh, the, only time, the only time angels are described as having wings are the seraphim and cherubim. All the other angels, th there's no description in scripture of them having wings. Isn't that interesting? I would venture to say every picture you've ever seen of an angel has wings. But not in the Bible. They're described elsewhere. Or in different ways where, where they're, they're in uniforms or even dressed in armor. Sometimes they're just dressed like normal people. Huh. And then we see this. And this is where people can get into, um, like we say more than what the Bible allows us to know. We try to we try to uh, we try to categorize who which angel goes where and and which authority like who submits to which one and and we get all this because um, this is talked about in the New Testament but we're not giving details about how it works but we're told that there are different kinds or functions maybe or authorities of angels and they're described like this as rulers as thrones as dominions and as authorities. 
Paul writes a lot about this, specifically on like, okay, here's, here's different descriptions and words we have of angels that we're not entirely sure how it all works out. We see this in Colossians 2, it says this, and Jesus, having disarmed the powers and authorities, specifically now these powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. That Jesus actually defeats these powers and authorities, these spiritual beings, and makes a spectacle of them by, by beating them on the cross. Ephesians chapter one says this, that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly realms far above all rule and all authority, power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present, but also in the, the age to come. That Jesus is seated above all of these descriptions. And it, it, you, may, you maybe read that and say, well, he's just talking about like, you know, human rulers and power and authority. I don't know. But, but this language is very clear that these are, this happens in the spiritual realm. These are spiritual entities. In Colossians, it continues and it says this. Paul writes this in, in uh, chapter one. For in him, Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Ephesians 6 says this, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Paul clarifies, he says, listen, this is, I'm not talking about flesh and blood stuff. I'm not talking about other people. I'm talking about spiritual forces that exist, that he calls rulers or thrones or dominions or authorities. So the, the term angel represents not just a single kind of spiritual being, but it's a generic term for different kinds of spiritual beings with different roles, different functions, different levels of authority. So what, what do angels do? All right, okay, so maybe your, your view, your understanding of angels has expanded a little bit to, to realize there di actually represents different creation, different creatures God has made. But what do they do? First thing, we see that angels worship God. And this is all over the, the Bible. We'll just look at one verse for the sake of time. But Psalm 148 says, Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his heavenly hosts. We, Christmas is coming up, right? Some of you are like, you're already ready. You're ready to go. You, you, got the, you got the Christmas button ready to like, as soon as, like literally the day after, after Halloween, go Christmas, right? And during Christmas time, we see this. We see angels singing and rejoicing and, and hark the herald angels sing. Oh, it's so beautiful, right? And this, this holy host, this choir. Except, do you know what the heavenly host is? It's not a choir. The heavenly host is an army. Oh. That, that God actually has an army of angels ready to go. And he describes them as these hosts. And he says, praise him, all the angels. Listen, you, you, the army, like all of you warrior angels, ready? Praise him, worship him. We see that angels, in, in, along the theme of like having an army, angels fight. Did you know this? Angels actually fight. We see this in Daniel. We looked at Daniel this summer and we went through Daniel and we got to Daniel chapter 10 and it gave us a little bit of a, a peek into the spiritual world. And it's sort of like we have what's going on on like the surface level and then we have like the spiritual level underneath. And we see that there's a scene in which an angel shows up and interacts with Daniel. That Daniel prays. And that as soon as he prays that God sends an angel. But something happens. It says this, this angel is now talking to Daniel and he says, but the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Now, a prince here is another word for angel. We'll see it in, uh, come out again in a second. That this prince of Persia, this angel or, or fallen angel, really, uh, this, this somehow he has authority over the kingdom of Persia, resisted this angel for 21 days. For three weeks, he's fighting. Hey, Daniel, I tried to come to you, but I got stuck. I'm in a battle. I was in for three, for literally three weeks fighting. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, right? The big guy comes. All right, hey, you need my help? All right, Michael shows up. And he came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. And then he goes on to say, I'm gonna tell you more, Daniel, and then I gotta go back because it's just Michael. I need to go join him back in the war. Whoa, they're fighting? 
They're fighting right now? Whoa, okay. I mean, we don't see it, but we're told it happens. And then in Revelation, we get a, um, this is a, a, a famous scene that's described. It says this in Revelation chapter 12. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was not strong enough and they lost their place in heaven. That we see in heaven, there's an actual war between angels, like the good and bad angels. They fight, they actually fight. I don't know how this works, but I imagine it would make a really incredible movie. Could you imagine being in that presence, like being transported into heaven and seeing this, like what John got to see, and that, that these angels are fighting and they're warned, like, oh my gosh, this, this is terrifying. These incredibly powerful spiritual beings are now fighting in the heavenlies. Like, it's just chaos. Like, I shouldn't even be here watching this, but, but here it is, it's happening. Angels fight. And we see this. The third thing, we see that angels protect part of their job is to guard and protect. We see in Psalm 34, it says this, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Psalm 91, a famous psalm that talks about angels. It's actually the psalm that, that the devil quotes to Jesus when he's tempting Jesus. He quotes from this psalm. And Psalm 91, 11 says this, for he, God will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. It, it, it's verses like this and a few others that we, we, we kind of springboard into this idea that we have guardian angels because angels, part of their role is to guard and to protect. Now, now that, I, I don't think that means we can then say, well, we all have our own. Like I have my own guardian angel. You have yours. Uh, I mean, if you knew me, like I probably... I probably need like a dozen, right? Like, and if you have kids, it's like, oh man, please, come, angels, come. I need a whole host of, I need everything. And I need an angel in every room to keep these kids alive. I don't know how this works, but I know this, that there are actual real spiritual beings who protect us, who God sends at points in our lives to guard us and our loved ones. How does this work? I don't know. We aren't, give, we aren't given answers to all the questions. How, where do they fit? I don't, I don't know, right? This, this kind of age-old silly question. Like, all right, how, how, many, how many angels can dance on the head of a pin? I don't know. Who, of all the questions, that's your question? Who cares, right? Six, there you go. Six can do it. I have no idea. I'm not giving that answer, but we do, or what we are told is that they do actually interact in our world to somehow protect us. And I imagine if, if you and I were to, to exchange stories, you could probably share, some of us could share stories, stories excuse me, where, where we could say like, I, I think I was in this moment, I think I was protected and guarded. Like I, 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 don't, I don't know how to explain it, but I, I think I got, I think I experienced this. We see that this is a weird one now. We see that angels watch. Angels are observing what happens on earth. And, and even us, they're watching us. In fact, in Daniel, they're often referred to as watchers, specifically, like that's the word that is used for them, they're watchers. We see this in, uh, in Luke chapter 15. It says, in the same way I tell you, this is Jesus speaking, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Here's what that means. They're watching for people to come to faith. And when they do, they rejoice. They get so excited. They rejoice. They, God, this is so great. And they've got to see it happen. They got to see when you chose to put your faith in Jesus, angels were watching and then they said, rejoice. Like, awesome. Ooh, they're watching how and, and when people get saved. We see that, uh, and Peter tells us that, that, um, that with regard to the gospel and specific things that happen, like, and how things all work out, that, that he says that, that angels long to look into these things. Like how, when he's explaining the gospel now that he's been entrusted with and sharing, that, that they're trying to figure this out. Angels are trying to figure out how the gospel works. Because we're, as far as we're told, as far as we know, they don't experience the opportunity to, have, to be saved like you and I do. And when they sin, that's it. They're kicked out of heaven and that's it. They aren't given an opportunity to experience forgiveness 
that comes through Jesus. That's, that's reserved for us, God's people. We see this. This is another odd one. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul writes about, uh, specifically about angels watching him. He says this, For it seems to me that God has put us apostles on display at the end of of the procession, like those condemned to die in the arena. So um, when, when uh, one nation conquered the other, they would parade it all back, right? You come in and you, all the spoils of war and you bring back everything you got. And at the end are all of the people you conquered and maybe you, they're making, you're making them as slaves or maybe they're gonna become future like people that die in the arena. And like, especially if in, in Rome, like, all right, we conquered you. You are now our gladiators. Have you seen the movie Gladiator? Like that's pretty much it. We conquer you. You look like you can fight. We're going to use you for entertainment. And eventually you're going to die. And Paul is saying, it's like God is doing that with us, us apostles. He's putting us on display at the end of the procession, knowing, hey, it's not going to end well for them. They're going to die soon. And then he says this, we have been made a spectacle to the whole universe, to angels, as well as the human beings. He seemed to know that, that what we're doing here and what's happening to us, like the persecution we're feeling and, and one day we'll be martyred for our faith, the role that we're playing isn't just to show people the way to God and, and to, be, to like show the, the testimony of Jesus to other people, but it seems, it seems as though he's saying angels are actually watching this too, intrigued by what we're doing and how we're doing this. The whole universe, we're on display even for angels. Wow, angels seem to be able to watch what's going on here on earth. And we see this, that angels serve. We read this earlier that not, the Hebrew says, are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit the kingdom? So we see that angels are very real and very powerful beings with very specific tasks given by God. They were created by God, just like you and I are, but they have a very specific role. And there are different kinds of them. Now we get to the part that we tend to experience uh, maybe some, some actual fear or anxiety because not all angels are good angels. As we saw, there was a war and some were kicked out of heaven. What we see is that these, who the New Testament refers to as demons, demons are evil spirits who oppose God and everything he desires. So if angels, angels are ministering spirits sent to serve us, God's people, then demons are the opposite. They, they, are, they exist, their sole existence is to oppose God and everything he wants and everybody who wants him, like everything that's around, like anything that has to do with God, we're against it. You kick this out, all right. We're gonna make life, literally, we're gonna make life hell for everyone and everything. Whoa. Demons were once good angels. We know this. They were created good sometime between the creation of everything and then Adam and Eve, the garden. Sometime before that, there was this fall in heaven and this one specific particular angel began a rebellion in heaven. In the Bible, he's known as Satan. Now, what you, what you think about Satan or like what like comes to mind, whether you think he's real or just like, you know, some personification of evil the bible is clear that this that that if if you and i believe this and and which i hope you do i certainly do then then whether we like it or not whether we want to or not we're forced to at least come to the realization that that this talks about a very real actual person called the devil not like a person like human but like uh, he is a, like a, a personal being and that this spiritual being Created and started this rebellion in heaven. And what we're told that this personal spiritual being was actually one of, one of the closest angels to God. In the hierarchy of angels, he was actually like on the high end. And he was actually one of the, one of the, the angels in the presence of God. He's described in, in various places, and again, we piece this all together through various places in Scripture, but he's described as a cherub. One of the cherubim, one of the ones that are like in God's presence, like these incredibly powerful beings that, that their job is to protect and, and to be literally in the presence of God that, oh, he was one of those. And he's described as being beautiful. But in his pride, he said, I 
want to place my throne greater than God's. Which would make sense because he's probably looking at the throne of God always. He's always seeing it and saying, I could do better. I could do, I want, I want, I want what he has and actually I want that and then some. And so in his pride, he decides, I want to become greater than God. And God says, hold on, that's not your role. You've gone too far. So he kicks him out. This great war in heaven happens and, and this being who the Bible refers to as Satan is thrown out along with all those who followed him. And they now become what are referred to as demons. So what do demons do? We'll go through this quickly, but also like this, it's important to know because I think we can recognize some of this in our world today. Not like we see actual demons, but we can recognize what they're doing. One of the things we see that they, they blind the minds of unbelievers. Part of their role is to keep people from knowing God. And so they get in the way of people experiencing God. You know what? Part of, part of listen guys, you ready? Okay, God kicked us out. We hate them. We hate everything about them. We hate all the angels who are with them, right? And, and anyone who gets around him or is like him, or we're just, gonna, we're just gonna ruin their life. We're literally going to try to ruin their life. Are you with me? And then they all shout, yeah, or whatever language they speak in demon. Yeah, let's get them. And, and one of the things they do, they say, all right, ready? Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna blind people from the gospel. Ooh, that's a really good tactic, actually. Here's what we see in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It says, The God of this age, referring to the devil, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they, they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Like, like part of what he does is prevent people from seeing the gospel. Which is why it's such a miracle when someone does come to faith because we know that there are actual real beings preventing, trying to do their best to prevent them from coming to know the Lord. And it happens anyways. God still breaks through that, which is probably why the other angels rejoice and say, somehow God is still, even with all of these people, all of these angels against them, God still triumphs. Wow. But that doesn't stop them from trying to stop the gospel from spreading. We see this, that demons tempt people to sin. We see this in the scriptures. We see it quite a bit. We don't have time to get into it, but we see it in our world today that, that a lot of temptation uh, comes certainly from within. Like you don't, listen, I want to be careful here because um, uh, the excuse the devil made me do it, <laughs> it doesn't work. It doesn't fly well. Like, oh, well, you know, I, I'm, if it were up to me, I would do everything right. But the devil made me, no, no, no. You have enough sin in you to entice yourself. But that doesn't stop demons from, from still tempting people. And we see that this happens in scripture. Paul writes about this. And you know the battleground where this happens seems to be happening a lot, where Paul addresses it a lot. It's an odd battleground you wouldn't think of, but, it, but the more you think of it, it makes sense that he actually, he fights this in marriages. And Paul talks specifically about marriages, things you should do and refrain from. And he says it, and he says, so that you don't give the devil a foothold. Do this or don't do this so that you don't give him a foothold. Oh, okay. We see the demons, the third thing, harass and uh, what's referred to as demonize people. This word um, you'll often hear of like language about like demon possession. Uh, I, I don't like that terminology. It's actually not like those words don't exist in the Greek when it talks about like demon possession. It's, it's this Greek word that literally means demonize and we kind of like call it possession. I don't have, we have a, that's a whole nother talk about what that, like what that means. But I don't, the, it, don't think of it like they can, like they own you now. Like, oh, they, I've been, sorry, I've, I've been possessed. And now, now I'm their property. This, that's not how this works. But we see demons do harass people and in extreme cases they demonize them and, and are able to to take control of their lives in areas demons are very real if you believe in god if you believe this is his word then whether it's your personal preference or not whether you like it or not whether you want to or not you are forced to believe in the spiritual world and these angelic beings both good and bad because they're in here and they're all over the place 
Demons are very real, but, but yet we shouldn't live in fear. Like it shouldn't drive us to fear or, or to be paralyzed by fear of these spiritual beings because we know this. We're told of their destiny and we're told of ours. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you're on the right side of that. <laughs> Congratulations. And then we're told this, that Jesus is far greater than any power of darkness. So trust in him. Jesus is far greater than any other spiritual being that, that exists, so we trust in him. That this idea of there being spiritual beings out there in this world that we can't see shouldn't drive us to fear, but instead should drive us to more faith in who God is and in who Jesus is. Again, our faith, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's not our struggle. Our struggle is not flesh and blood, but it's against these spiritual entities. And he says, and this is how you fight. Ready? It's through prayer. That's it. All right, so how, spiritual warfare, how do we engage in this? What do we do? Do we call out demons? Do we say their names? Do we try to, no, no, don't do any of that. Ready? Here's what you do. You pray and you don't stop praying and you pray to God. You pray harder and more fervently. We fight, as cliche as it is, we fight on our knees. We pray to God. And we see that God sends angels to fight on our behalf. It's incredible. I'm gonna guess, I'm gonna guess for a lot of us, we've never prayed that God would send an angel to our life. Why not? Not praying to angels. Listen, don't, don't do that. Trust me, please, don't. Don't try. But to say, God, you send that, your word talks about sending angels to guard and protect. I could use that right now. I could use that in the life of my loved one. I could use, they could, will you protect them? Will you send angels to protect them? Oh, that's a great prayer. Here, I want to end with this. And this is a, this is a fun verse about angels. In Hebrews chapter 13, it says this. The writer says, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Listen, keep loving each other. And then he says this, do not, do, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers because why? For by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without even knowing it. He says that you should love each other. Listen, keep loving each other. Don't stop loving each other. And ready for this? And be hospitable to strangers. Make sure you treat them with hospitality. And, and why? Because some people who have done that have actually been hospitable to angels. What? Apparently, angels look far more like you or I, maybe probably more like you, less like me, than you and I think. Like when we think of angels, we think of these creatures with these wings and, and the seraphim and, and cherubim are, but like when we talk, when the Bible talks about like angels showing up, they look like people. They look like you, so much so that you wouldn't even know if it was an angel. Whoa. So if we ask this question, have you interacted with angels before? Maybe. I, I don't know. I know what will be a fun conversation that if you are a follower of Jesus and you get to heaven and, and God's like, all right, you're in, you're part of the family, come on, welcome. And you get in and be like, all right, God, like, hey, can you show me, can you show me my life like from your perspective? Like not all of it, like there's a lot I want you to just, just fast forward. I would just skip over, skip over that whole decade actually. Um, but, but like, can you show, and he'll be like, oh man, yeah. In fact, let me show you times you interacted with someone and you thought it was a person, but it's actually, it actually one of my angels, one of my messengers. You want, to, you want to see it? Oh, yeah. In fact, you want to meet them? Oh, my gosh. I would love to. Yes, please. And we'll have experience. I, I fully anticipate when we get to heaven, we'll be like, I thought you were just a nice person, so I helped you out. You're an angel? And there are times in our lives when we don't even recognize or know that, wow, we, we too were touched by an angel. <laughs> that was really bad, right? That was really, I didn't write that down, but I just, that was terrible. Here's what we see. Angels are very real. 
And the angels that you and I interact with look much more like us than we think. And that you and I actually have a role. We pray. And in response, God mobilizes angels. So let's do this. Let's, let's stand up. We're going to worship God together. But before that, we're going to pray. And we're going to pray that God would move in our lives. And for some of us, we are in need of some real spiritual protection. So would you do this? Would you bow with me? Let's pray. So Lord, we, uh, we thank you for your word, but we also realize we don't, we, we can't even begin to comprehend all of what you have made and how everything works. But we, what we do know, we respond to and say, Lord, you, you are in charge of everything. And you also have decided to create beings, spiritual beings, these angels, and, and somehow, some way, you send them to help guard and protect and minister to us. And right now, I know that there's people in this room that need, that need a spiritual breakthrough. They need spiritual protection. There's some spiritual warfare going on in their life. It, they might not even realize it right now. It may just be, uh, if it might just feel like circumstances or, or, uh, or just that life is difficult, but God, there's, some, there's a spiritual reality behind their physical experience. And what they need right now, Lord Jesus, is for you to move on their behalf. And so I pray for those, for, those, for those of us, and, and I'm gonna ask you to be so bold. For those of you who are saying, yeah, that, I think I'm going through a spiritual attack or a spiritual experience. I want you to just slip your hand up. I wanna pray for you. Yeah, 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 okay, quite a few. So, so God, for those who are saying, I feel like I'm, I'm in this moment of spiritual attack right now, I pray right now, Lord, you would release holy angels to protect and guard them. And you would surround them with your holy beings to fight and in the invisible war on their behalf that God that you would you would restrict the enemy from having any more influence or input or harassment on their life but God that you you through your strength your authority your great might that Jesus the powerful name of Jesus would put an end to it we're told that the name of Jesus is greater than all their names and that every Every knee must bow. So we pray, God, that those in the, in the unseen realm, Lord, that they too would bow to the name of Jesus. In our lives, you would protect and guard us. Lord, we worship you and we thank you. We thank you for who you are, for what you've done. And we thank you that you've, you never leave us alone. We worship you now. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.